Amen. We'll turn together this evening in God's precious word to the New Testament and to Second Thessalonians and to chapter 1. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians and to the very first chapter. I'm going to read down this chapter together and then just to leave some brief thoughts with you tonight on the subject of prayer. Second Thessalonians, the chapter 1 and the verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We end there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. I would center my thoughts this evening around the final two verses of the chapter, and you can see that these verses relate to matters for prayer. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Matters for prayer. 
the letters written by the Apostle Paul will always place great emphasis upon prayer. And just by considering the two letters that he has written here to the believers at Thessalonica, you can see something of the emphasis that Paul puts upon prayer. And prayer is shown to be of the utmost importance. And that emphasis can be clearly established just by taking a very brief overview of both of those letters, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Just note with me some of those references to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and the verse 2, Paul says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And without making comment on these references, we're just simply pointing out how many times here the apostle will refer to prayer in these two brief letters. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and the verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. And so again, it's in the subject of prayer and that thankfulness to the Lord in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, you can move into the third chapter and down there to uh, the verses 9 and 10. It says, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? And then in verse 10 he says, Night and day, praying exceedingly, that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Again, the reference to prayer. And you come into the chapter 5 of First Thessalonians, and you could look down to verse 17. And the apostle says in that verse, pray without ceasing. In verse 23, it's in the atmosphere of prayer where he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that same chapter and the verse 25, Paul makes that appeal and he says to God's people, brethren, pray for us. And so in those short chapters of 1 Thessalonians, you have at least six references to prayer. It's the emphasis that the Apostle Paul puts upon prayer and the importance of prayer. You come into 2 Thessalonians, and you could look at chapter 1 and the verse 3, and he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet. And there he's giving thanks to God in prayer for God's people at Thessalonica. Also in that first chapter, we have our text of Scripture, verses 11 and 12, that uh, contain uh, the subject of prayer. Move into chapter 2 and the verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you in salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. 
but it's there with the, the thought of prayer and the giving thanks to God for those believers. Also in that second chapter, and the verses 16 and 17 uh, would be in the atmosphere of prayer. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And then looking in the very next verse in chapter 3 and the verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Look at verse 5. It's in the context of prayer. And the Lord, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. And chapter 3 there still in the verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means, the Lord be with you all. And over and over again in these epistles to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul makes reference to prayer. And these references to prayer show us the emphasis that he's putting upon prayer. And you know, Paul also had encouragement in prayer because he had been praying for these Thessalonians. And he had been giving thanks to God for them. And there was encouragement for him to pray on for these Thessalonians because he has seen prayer answered already. You compare just First and Second Thessalonians again with one verse this time. In First Thessalonians 1 and the verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And there were there three things there that the Apostle Paul was praying for. Their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. He thanked God for those things. When he came to write the second letter to them, he made reference to those same three areas in their Christian lives. And in 2 Thessalonians 1 and the verse 3, he said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And so he had been thanking God for their faith previously. And he had spoken about their faith previously. And now in writing the second letter, he's able to speak in thanksgiving to God that their faith has grown exceedingly. That work of faith, the work of faith that is advanced in the hearts and lives of God's people there at Thessalonica. And their faith has grown and grown to the point where he uses the word exceedingly, was that not an answer to prayer? He had been giving thanks to God without ceasing for their work of faith in the first letter, and now in the second letter he comes to address that faith again, and he says, your faith groweth exceedingly. God has answered prayer. Growth in the hearts and lives of God's people. And then in that same verse, 
2 Thessalonians 1 and the verse 3, he speaks about their charity or their love. And he says, The charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Your work of faith he had spoken about, and your labor of love. And he's able to say now, your faith is growing exceedingly. And my, your love, your love toward one another is abounding. And so this was actually an answer to the apostles' prayers for them. Then you can see in the chapter that we have read in the fourth verse, he refers there to their patience. Remember, they had spoken there about their patience of hope. And here it's patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. And so here he could give thanks to God for the advancement and for the progress that there had been spiritually in the lives of God's people. And he's saying to them, since I had last written to you, your faith has grown exceedingly and, and your love to one another is abounding and your patience there in the midst of your trial, your persecution, your tribulations, your enduring. And albeit they were going through a time of great trial, they were still progressing in their Christian lives. And that would have been a tremendous encouragement to the Apostle Paul that he would pray on for them. In our text of Scripture for tonight, it shows us that he did pray on for them. He continued faithful in the place of prayer. And in 2 Thessalonians 1 and the verse 11, he says, Wherefore also we pray. He said, we pray always faithfulness in prayer. And we pray always for you. He could give that reassurance to the believers at Thessalonica that the Apostle Paul not only prayed, but he prayed for them and he prayed faithfully for them and he prayed constantly for them. And you can see as we just look at this text of Scripture very quickly together, the matters for prayer. What did he pray? When he thought about those believers at Thessalonica, and he wanted to pray before the throne of grace for them. What did he actually pray? Well, you can see, firstly, he prayed concerning their walk with God. And he said, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling, that they would be worthy that they would, as it were, walk worthy of the Lord, that the Lord would count you worthy of this calling. And if you look there in the same chapter, the chapter we have read from tonight and the verse 5, you'll see being counted worthy appears there as well, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, being counted worthy. 
This is to do with our salvation because we could never be counted worthy before we were saved. The only worth that we have before God is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made us worthy. But he wants us to conduct ourselves and to walk in our Christian lives in a manner that is worthy of our calling. And that's what he prayed about. He's praying there in our text of Scripture that our God would count you worthy of this calling. If you were to glance back in your Bible to Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse 1, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He refers to that calling again. And he's exhorting God's people to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That calling, we've been called in salvation. We have been called by the Lord. And you can remember that time whenever you heard that call in the gospel. Oh, not an audible call, but it was the call of God within our heart. There is in the gospel what we could refer to as a general call to the unconverted. And in that sense, we could say many are called. Every time the invitation in the gospel goes out and invites sinners to come to Christ, many are called. But there are those who are the called. And they receive that particular call, what we refer to as the effectual call. It's an irresistible call. And oh, there can be many times when you heard the message of the gospel and many times when you were invited to come to Christ. But on that particular occasion, when you actually closed in with the Lord, that was the effectual call, the irresistible call, the call of God, the call of his spirit. Whenever you closed in with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the calling The apostle is praying that God's people in Thessalonica would be counted worthy of their calling and that we would walk worthily in the Lord because we are the called. Romans chapter 8 and the verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified and what a privilege it is tonight to be the called of the Lord the apostle Paul speaking personally he was writing to the Galatians and he said in Galatians 1 and the verse 15 he called me he called me by his grace and thank God each one of us tonight have been called by the grace of God. We're saved. That term ecclesia, referring to the church, it actually means a people called out. We've been called out of this world. We've been called on to the Lord. 
and we're to walk worthy of that calling in Christ Jesus. Time always marches on, and so we'll not turn to the references, but I'll give them to you. Philippians 1 and the verse 3, the Apostle Paul there calls it the high calling. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And when we're called and we come and we close in with Christ, it's a high calling. In Hebrews 3 and the verse 1, the apostle there describes it as being partakers of the heavenly calling. It's a high and a heavenly calling. And in 2 Timothy 1 and the verse 9, he said to Timothy, we've been called, he has called us with an holy calling. You see that calling tonight that we have in Christ? It's a high and heavenly and holy calling. And therefore, when we think about that calling and the privilege of being the called of the Lord, that's an incentive uh, to walk worthy of the vocation in which we have been called. And that's what Paul was praying about. It was his desire to see God's people at Thessalonica being counted worthy of this calling. It's a matter of making progress in our Christian lives and going on with the Lord. That's what Paul was praying for here. And that's a good matter for prayer individually. We all confess that we need to pray individually that we would be counted worthy and we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And it's a good prayer collectively as a band of God's people, as a congregation of the Lord, that we would be counted worthy of this calling. And so he was praying concerning the walk with God. But secondly, he prayed concerning the will of God. Also in that 11th verse, he goes on to say, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. And so he's still in prayer here as he's praying for God's people and he's praying faithfully for God's people, not just that they'll be counted worthy of this calling, but that also they would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. And I say that concerns the will of God for his people. This was the desire of the apostle. It was a desire for God's pleasure and for God's purpose to be fulfilled in the lives of his people. Over in Philippians, the chapter 2 and the verse 13, Paul writes, It is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God that worketh in you. God works in the hearts and lives of his people. It is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And Paul is praying here that all the good pleasure of his goodness would be fulfilled in the lives of his people there at Thessalonica. God, Paul was praying for God's will to be done. God's good pleasure for his people. That is what brings 
fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction in life. Fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. God does his pleasure in the world and we could trace that with creation and we could see it in the natural world and the preservation of the natural world. We can see God's good pleasure generally. We could see it specifically in the great work of redemption. God was working out the pleasure of his will. But Paul is speaking here particularly about God's people and that God's good pleasure would be fulfilled in the hearts and lives of his people. And that's a good matter for prayer, a heart and life that's surrendered to the Lord, a heart and life that knows the grace of God, a heart and life conformed to God's will, and conformed to the image of God's dear Son. These are some of the matters that the Apostle Paul prayed for. These were his prayer points. And then thirdly, his third petition there at the end of verse 11, it concerns the work for God. And he says, And the work of faith with power. In other words, that this would also be fulfilled, the work of faith with power. He's referring again to the work of faith. Do you remember from the very first letter, the chapter 1 and the opening verses there, he was thanking God for what? For their work of faith. And then in this second letter, and the time that has elapsed, he's able to thank God that their faith has grown exceedingly. And he's still praying concerning their faith. And here it's their work of faith. James has taught us that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead, being alone. And in order for faith to work, there has to be that power. That power is required. And while they had made good progress already in their Christian lives and God could be thanked for that and they could be commended for their growth and grace uh, that it had grown exceedingly, but yet Paul prays for more. He wants to see that, that greater advancement and he's saying grant the power required that that work of faith might be fulfilled and increased even further, that it might grow even more. You cannot go forward in our own strength, and therefore we pray for that work of faith with power, that the Lord would grant to us the power of his Spirit, that our faith would show more and more itself evidently and um, proving our faith to be genuine with our good works. You think of Hebrews chapter 11 and all of the great exploits there that were accomplished. How? By faith, by faith, by faith. So it's a good prayer to pray tonight, Lord, increase my faith. And therefore, if our faith is increased 
it will mean that our work for the Lord will increase because faith shows itself in works. And so Paul was praying here concerning the walk with God and the will of God and the work for God. But then fourthly and finally, the witness for God. Because verse 12 says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this fourth petition, it really brings us to uh, the very heart, the very motive for Paul's prayer. And it was for the glory of God. That was the reason for it all. That's why he prayed for God's people there at Thessalonica. That's why he wanted them to walk with God and to know the will of God and to work for God because that was the witness that God would be glorified. That's the reason for it all. Not that Paul would be glorified. Not that man would be glorified. Not that there would be anything of self-adulation that it was with that witness to the glory of God. That verse refers to the name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The title there that's given of the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, that really gives to us the whole person of the Lord and the the character of the Lord and the work of the Lord. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of what he has accomplished for us and what he has done for us. He is the Lord Jesus. He is the Savior. And he is the Christ of God. He's the promised Messiah. He's the anointed of God. And he's the one who went to the cross for us and suffered and bled and died for us. Therefore, it's, it's the fact tonight that, that he loved us and he has bought us, redeemed us with his own precious blood and he has called us onto himself and he has saved our souls. One day he will take us to be with himself. But until that day, may we ever seek to be that witness for the Lord and to know that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. And therefore we glorify God in body and in spirit, which are God's. And so we remember that all of our prayers, even tonight, will be to the glory of of God, for man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever.